This is the Gary V Audio Experience. So we've got our last guest for today, Dina Bari. Dina serves as StockX CMO, a Detroit-based online resale marketplace. Dina has demonstrated a history of building beloved consumer brands, having served as a CMO for three other companies, including Birchbox. We're super excited to have you, Dina. Dina, how are you? Hello, great to see you all. Just great last to see you. Together on our happy hour. Yes, that's right. Well, let's get right into the thing I'm actually curious about. You've got a really epic background. What's what's on those shelves? Anything interesting? Anything? Oh I can, my gosh! Anything I can flip so, on eBay? You do not believe how much commentary these bookshelves get. Um, the big joke is this was actually meant to be my husband. We moved to Detroit when I accepted this job, right? So we're six months, seven months into living in Michigan, moved from California, and we set up this office because my husband runs his own business and works from home. And it took me about four weeks to take over the office and the bookshelf. <laughs> there's everything in here from you know philosophy and yoga books to um, there's a book called Cabin Porn right behind me, um, and then all kinds of fiction from all stages of our lives. But this this is the ultimate conversation piece right here. How do you consider yourself? How do you view yourself as a leader? As since that's kind of the ethos of of this, uh, like, yeah. and and. Like all of us, we've all evolved and gotten better. What has been the biggest thing that you've closed the gap on in your career that you're just like happy? You're like, wow, I'm really glad I got better at this because had I not, I don't think I could be the leader I am today. Yeah. Well, there, I think there's two things. Um, and one of them, I'm going to echo what Lockie said just a little while ago, you know, the idea of being a thinker that can combine left and right parts of the brain. I think in marketing in particular, that is a very valuable skill um, and hard to find. So I think that is um, something that I would say describes my style, holistic thinker um, and somebody who likes to synthesize and integrate. Um, And then I think the other thing is just um, being empathetic, being um, a very like holistic person in the sense of like, look, we Did we lose her? Andre, do you, do you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Okay. Dana, you're back. I think you're back. I'm back. Go ahead. Go ahead. Great. Sorry about that. No worries. Okay. So um, I'll just backtrack a little bit. You know, the idea, I was talking about the idea of left and right brain thinking coming together and being an integrative thinker. And then um, being somebody who really appreciates and values the whole self being brought to work and, and I show up that way. I want my team to show up that way. And I think as leaders today, especially in this climate, it's so critically important and, and showing your team that that's what you believe in. That's what you support from them um, helps to bring out the best, um, the most creativity, the best results um, and the most present and committed work. What, um, what has really been the biggest observation you've had about being a leader during COVID? Because obviously some of us are fortunate enough I, I, it's funny how I just said that. It was like a little bit of a slip. Fortu- I was going to say fortunate enough to navigate through the Great Recession or 9-11 yeah. or things of that nature. And those are not fortunate things, but like I definitely felt that we were in a 10-year window where a lot of people were already at 32 years old in their career and had never been through anything but hyper growth. And I was like, man, one day this is going to hit. And so here we are. Thoughts on that? Yeah, totally. I'm a huge believer in the fact that um, the failures or the missteps or even the things that are outside of your control, like macro events, um, 
the challenges to make you better. And, you know, having lived through the Great Recession, 9-11, even having joined a startup that was a total bust, you know, and literally went out of business. Um, those things, I think, make us more resilient, more adaptable, more creative. And I think those are like critical skills in COVID-19, um, you know, marketing and business. So, you know, when I, I think about showing up for my team at StockX, the leadership team spends a lot of time making sure that we are keeping people together, keeping them connected. A lot of people are lonely, isolated, confused, you know, all the, all the negative feelings. And, um, you know, work can play a role in, in combating that and leadership and teams can play a role in combating that. So that's, I think, one really important thread um, for our company and for me personally is just being there for my team. I think secondly is encouraging the adaptability, the growth mindset. Again, it's a, it's a basic uh, survival skill, right? You gotta be able to land on your feet when unforeseen circumstances present themselves. And in marketing in particular, there are some very new real constraints. If you think about um, experiential marketing, content, these are, these are areas that really have relied on the in real life experiences um, to create what they create. And suddenly those avenues are cut off. And so it's only the people who are open-minded, flexible, willing to adapt that can um, not only survive, but I think actually come up with better ideas. We've Our team has come up with new ways of working in this environment that I think we're gonna bring with us into the future, into the normal, when we return to normal. Um, you know, thinking more creatively about how to um, generate content in a scalable way that reaches more people, um, taking events that might've been activated in real life and bringing them to a digital forum so that more people can participate. Like these are really valuable skills. So um, I think teams that are focused on being adaptable can actually grow through this. So I've had the great fortune of knowing Josh very early on, literally one of the great misses of my entrepreneurial investing career uh, was not investing in StockX early on around <laughs> things that I love like flipping and sneakers and now sports cards, which you know has super got me fired up. Yeah. Um, what I know is that you're sitting on some really fun information. Can you share anything about like what's been selling during this? Yes. Pandemic? And I'm gonna do Thank I'm you. gonna do a plug okay. because we just published a media report which has is like a gold mine of fun facts, but it's called the StockX snapshot. It's our market movers, and we talk about and, things that Andrea, are. Andrea, I need that immediately. Andrea, please, please <laughs> that should be in my <laughs> inbox right now. Like Amy, get on this. I need that now. Go ahead. So, um, you know, some fun facts, and I'm gonna cheat and refer to it, but um, you know, puzzles up almost 600 percent. Um, slides, because who's going, you know, who's going outside anymore, right? So up almost 400% masks, obviously up 300%, um, you know, slippers, again, a big mover, track pants, like all the stuff that we are wearing every day, right? And then um, I think the other thing that we've seen is a resurgence of what you might call classic silhouettes and sneaker. Like, I think this is a time when people are maybe hesitant to splurge on that really luxury item that may or may not have enduring value, but you know, the classic silhouettes that have been relevant for 20 years that people are right. spending. Plus, plus, you know, for the people that don't collect and flip who actually wear these incredible, you know, just the dominance you have with sneakers, you know, look, let's call a spade a spade for a lot of human beings flexing with that impossible to get pair of off-whites when you go courtside to an NBA game is very much in the culture of this. And if you're not doing that, maybe you don't need to do that right this minute. 
A hundred percent. And I think the other thing is, you know, the last dance, like that has been an amazing influence in our world. Um, and it's this beautiful convergence, that, right? Because I think a lot of people, you know, we have such a diverse group, you know, obviously you and I can talk about this all day, explain even the last dance, what that sure, is. And sure, sure. So the last dance is this amazing documentary about Michael Jordan and the Bulls and their attempt to win um, their final um, championship, NBA championship. And it really talks about you know, the team, it talks about Michael Jordan, and it talks about um, his brand as well. And, and in sneakers, you know, his brand is a force, like potentially the biggest force to be reckoned with. And what we've seen, um, you know, actually HBO released this, pulled the release date up. It was meant to be released later on. And then when COVID um, came along and sports were canceled, I think they saw a big window. Um, again, sign of adaptability. So they released this early and it was at a time when there was nothing no, nothing to watch on, on TV for a sports fan. And so um, it was just brilliant timing and it was actually brilliant marketing for StockX. We were not involved. Um, I keep saying that would have been a dream, a dream relationship, dream partnership, but it still had this incredible effect of um, reintroducing people to Jordan Brand's shoes. And we've had some of our best ever days um, actually during this period, which is sort of hard to believe. You never would have predicted that, right? In April, and we were all sitting at home and saying, what does this mean for business? Um, we've had records around certain silhouettes that were released in the past couple of months that have become our best ever sellers, fastest ever sellers. So I think it shows, you know, back to the trends question, like the power of enduring classics and in a time like this, when there's uncertainty and stress and, um, you know, recessionary forces, like people are spending money on the things that have proven, proven value. StockX has done a nice job with content series. Give everybody a little context to that content. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks for that plug. Um, we have an amazing team. And basically, you know, their remit is to tell stories that are relevant um, to our, you know, the products that we sell. So it's always contextualized in our world of sneakers, sort of culturally relevant products. And the people, the creators um, who use those products to express themselves. And so we have this whole network of um, influencers, musicians, athletes, all kinds of creators that we um, collaborate with to tell stories. And, and often the product plays a role in that. Sometimes it doesn't, but we do make an effort to bring it back so that it's um, related to what we're selling on the platform. And, um, you know, we use a mix of long form. We have these amazing, you know, almost historical pieces. We actually have someone on our content team who's a PhD. We have two PhDs and one of them is a rap and hip hop historian. And so he can write these amazing long form pieces about, you know, the history of sneakers through hip hop culture. Um, or we have other pieces that are more SEO oriented meant to drive results, you know, all the shoes in the last dance, top 10 Jordan shoes. Sure. Um, and then we also have other forms, you know, video. Um, and we've been coming up with these more soundbite written forms lately um, to just hear what it's like to be a, a person, a creator in Barcelona, a creator in Toronto, you know, as we grow more globally and the community become in many ways, COVID has you know, shrunk our world because we're all alone more and at home more, but it's also expanded our world because we're online and we're, you know, the boundaries that previously existed for physical interactions have been raised. So, um, you know, we're trying to lean into that and introduce more of the cultural marketplace, the, the global marketplace that is StockX to our community. Um, and so we've come up with a few new conceits during this time. One of them is um, on the line with, which is that short format interview mm -hmm. with creators around the world. Mm -hmm. um, 
And we're gonna keep testing and experimenting. I think that's one thing that is very much part of our DNA as a startup um, and as a brand that's on the forefront of culture. Do you, is do, you believe, things. do you believe that every brand should start thinking of themselves more in the production of content as a marketing execution, not just a maker of commercials and ads? Yes, I think especially, in, so the world that I live in is direct-to-consumer. Um, you know, I've spent 15 years in, in direct-to-consumer startups. And um, I think when you're building that direct relationship with a consumer, you have to um, provide context. You have to engage them in a, in a deeper way than just the transactional way. Um, and content plays a huge role to show that you have a voice, you have a point of view, you have authority in the space, um, that you care about the issues the customer cares about. I think this is part of being a customer-centric brand and business. You talked about that on your last call. Um, you know, I think brands that own their channels and aren't reliant on supply, other sort of distribution have that advantage where they can go really deep with a customer. Um, and that means you have the data, but it also means you have the relationship, you have the connective tissue with, um, you know, all the stories that you tell. You know, what's a, did, when did you get to Detroit? I moved here, so I started the job in September and I was commuting, believe this or not, I was commuting from California. So I was flying here on Monday, going home on Thursday. And then my family and I relocated in November. So right in the, in the winter. <laughs> so what was, what was your favorite, let's give Detroit a little love. I, I know oh. it was only, only like eight to 10 weeks before, or yeah. the 12, 14 weeks before COVID hit, but what was your first observation? I've just really enjoyed the resurrection of such a great city in a lot of yeah. ways. Um, your your biggest observation for D-Town? Yeah, I mean, there there is so much um, heart for Detroit. And one of the things that I think is really remarkable is just like when you come to Detroit, the people who are here are just so loving. And they're like, yes, we welcome you, a new person into our community. And we want you to survive and thrive here because that's how we're going to thrive. Yeah. So that's one thing. I mean, the people Very from welcoming. Detroit, they're just loving, you know, and they want people to to participate in their community, which is awesome. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time in my first six weeks of the job staying in hotels right in, in downtown Detroit um, and eating in restaurants. So, um, because I didn't have a, a kitchen to cook in. So sure. I will do a shout out for what has become my favorite restaurant downtown, um, which is Layla. It's a Lebanese restaurant and I'm Lebanese, so it has Very special nice. meaning to me, but it's like amazing food. So wait, real amazing. quick, real quick, just for some fun. So you see a Lebanese restaurant in, you know, you know, I'm, I come from, you know, Soviet Russian descent. Like we're, there's always that thing. Is this going to be as good as my grandma's thing or oh, yeah. my family's thing? Like, are you, are you like a tough critic of Lebanese food and it like surprised you? So did it surprise you? Did like, like how did, how did that whole little Yes, I am a tough critic and it did surprise me pleasantly. Um, the dish that I always use to, to judge is a simple one. It's baba ganoush, but it's like, you know, it's sometimes it's those most simple things where you can tell what's going on. Um, and, but then it also has like a modern flair. So amazing cocktails, amazing vibe, great service, awesome. you know, so you feel like you're in a really cosmopolitan city in like a world-class restaurant. Um, and That's we awesome. lived in New York and San Francisco. So we, we love that. Um, but you're spoiled with food. We're restaurants. spoiled, but I will say the food here in Detroit has been really fantastic. So I'm pleasantly surprised and eager to get back out there and start eating my face off again. Well, thank you for being on. We really yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We'll talk soon. Take care. Thank you. Bye. All right. Episode's over. Please leave a review and subscribe up on Apple. It would mean a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to me. Thank you very much. Hey, podcast. Joe from Team Gary here. 
Today's highlighted review is Much Love by Hunter Vickers. Love the podcast. Love you, Gary. Keep going. Thanks to Hunter Vickers. Keep those reviews coming. We could highlight yours next.